Welcome to Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy Podcast. I'm Tina Pippin, your host. Today we have with us the two new co-executive directors of the Highlander Research and Education Center. The Highlander Center, founded in 1932, is a place for community organizing and social transformation. Thank you for being here today uh, for Nothing Never Happens. Today we have Ashley Woodard Henderson and the Reverend Alan Maxfield Steele, the new, as of February 2017, co-directors of the Highlander Research and Education Center in Newmarket, Tennessee. So welcome to Nothing Never Happens. Thank you, Tina. We're excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here with you. Well, I'm glad to talk to you because uh, the Highlander Center represents sort of ground zero for popular education and social change movements, not only in the southern United States, but um, just globally. (laughs) It's had so much influence. And so we're all situated here in the South, and um, Project South, another movement building organization that's in my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, has a motto, as the South goes, so goes the nation. And then uh, at the U.S. Social Forum a few years ago, Andy Smith um, played off the motto for the U.S. Social Forum, uh, another South is possible, and said, yes, another South South is possible, but another South is necessary. So I want to hear from you where you see the current vision for the Highlander Center, um, you know, from 1932 to today. What is it, uh, the 85th anniversary? That's right. Uh, so um, it's been around a long time and has done um, a lot in terms of working with uh, um, racial integration and union and labor rights and the civil rights movement. In the early days, um, there were over four generations of activists. So I'd like you to talk about where is the Highlander Center now at this particular moment in time, which is, of course, post-November 8, 2016, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the major issues that you are facing and, you know, the people you're building coalitions with? Yeah, I mean, I think the story of Highlander and, and, you know, sort of the Highlander way, the story, spirit, and practice of Highlander actually begins um, both in the mountains of, of rural Appalachia, but also in the influence of our, our sisters and brothers and siblings abroad who have been using popular education, even without that name, you know, for, for long before necessarily the U.S. social movement caught up, right, which is, I think, both the story of Highlander, it's the story of um, all of us that have been doing work to eliminate poverty and genocide, um, and, and definitely folks that are, are building things like the Social Forum in the U.S., um, and so I think, you know, we would we would, it, we would be missing something not to talk about the importance of, of the global struggle and its influence on U.S. social movements being built, um, yeah. including Highlander as a, as a catalyst for uh, supporting frontline struggles um, being built and sustained for 85 years. Um, you know, when we think about the, the current articulation of our vision for Highlander, um, it, is, it is definitely a 21st century 
contextual spin on what really we've been doing for 85 years, which is bringing people together to figure out how to make their communities better mm-hmm. um, and make their lives better, right? Um, yeah. And so the sort of the three ways that we kind of articulate that with right now is that we see that all things, um, every frontline struggle is connected to a fight um, against uh, exploitive economies that harm our people, um, whether it's through deportation and detention or mass incarceration or police brutality or fighting for living wages or like, all of these, these fights are connected to uh, you know, folks with privilege and power trying to consolidate their wealth and, and power, right? Yeah. Um, and so part of our work is around continuing to be pushing social movements um, and pushing you know, the, the systems and the people that harm our communities um, toward a social solidarity economy, um, toward self-governance. Right, mm-hmm. um, and so we're we're doing that work around social solidarity economies. We're doing work around movement accompaniment and support. So both supporting the rapid response needs of our community, um, helping support the uh, development of longer term strategies, um, and doing the work that we need to do in the absence of strong um, infrastructure to do political education through popular education and radical pedagogies. Um, but specifically around the the very needs that those front lines are saying that they are trying to fill. So stuff around political education, stuff around direct actions and how to develop them and pick targets and do them successfully mm-hmm. beyond just symbolic action, um, you know, things around organizing and base building, things around fundraising to, to sustain your work, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then thirdly, around incubating and innovating radical work, because um, what we know is that in the time where social movements grow, the backlash is real. We want to be able to create the infrastructure to support frontline communities uh, to continue the work that they're doing, especially as they win more and more for their people. Um, so, you know, Highlander is still very much a, a physical place that is home to many movements um, to come and, and convene and to think and to strategize and to recharge their batteries. Um, but it's also very much an organization that is led by people who are directly impacted uh, by the systems that are, are oppressing our people and are out supporting those frontline struggles to dismantle those systems, uproot them so they never grow back again, and, and to start to implement and build the sort of world um, and South that we've always deserved. Yeah, right. That's what uh, Miles Horton brought back from the Danish folk school. Um, That's right. When he came, you know, to start Highlander in the 30s. Um, one of the quotes from Miles that fits right with what you're saying is, the purpose of Highlander is not to solve problems, but to use problems and crises as the basis for educating people about a democratic society. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he had this kind of what he called a two-eye theory of teaching, um, you know, find out where people are, get them to build, you know, coalitions and educate themselves about the what is happening, and then the movement to where they can be, sort of the, um, you know, what ought to be, that that should be the focus of education within, you know, mm-hmm. the circle of learners where the leadership is generative from the group, right, as you were talking about. Okay. So what kind of local leadership, and also um, I'd like you to talk a little bit about definitions of leadership because it's a big thing in higher education now to have leadership and also global connections. And uh, leadership is often defined more by the corporate um, sector, sort of the lean-in kind of philosophy, um, you know, of the elite, not from 
you know, those who are most impacted by this, um, you know, where Paulo Freire and, and Miles Horton and others, uh, Septima Clark, you know, uh, were working, you know, on the ground uh, in movement building. So how, would, how do you see Highlander's definition of leadership and how do you um, work with that in your workshops to, you know, connect these leaders with each other and with the, um, the necessary tools to do the work, to create that mm -hmm. vision of what ought to be? Mm -hmm. uh, Alan, you want to kick it off of, and I can fill in? Yeah, okay. I had a couple of things coming to my mind. You know, when, mm -hmm. when Ash was describing work and contribution to the social solidarity economy and how we understand that, you know, the next economy needs to be something shaped by folks most directly impacted by yeah. uh, the current economy in particular. One, uh, a really good example of that in our work right now is our second cycle of the Appalachian Transition Fellowship, which is 15 different fellows based in 15 different communities throughout central Appalachia. Um, all of those communities have multi-sector partnerships that host a fellow to work on a transitional economy project. Um, and, and we're bringing those folks together um, in order to understand what it means to take and inherit a particular economy, so the what is, and then help them map out what ought to be based on folks who are going to again be inheriting uh, the next economy as they, as they shape it. Uh, so that's one clear example. I'd say the other one was one I was mentioning to you before we um, before we started recording here or got on the podcast officially, but was the Seed the Fire program, which is both a program that's about building youth leadership and supporting the youth leadership authority being built throughout the region. Um, again, uh, communities most impacted by uh, white supremacy, capitalism, the global mm -hmm. economy, et cetera. Um, ranging down from the age of 12 all the way up to what you know people would typically described college age. Um, those are the youth and leaders that we're working with and working with their adult allies who support them and bringing them into conversation with each other. Um, so we do that um, and have done that not too differently than what, you know, you've, you're describing Miles is doing, which is, again, helping folks understand the what is. So that's like economic systems mm -hmm. based on their own experience, but also filtering their own experience through the experiences of others and coming up with ways to understand the patterns that are uh, part of their collective experiences and then helping them figure out what it means to work together. So some clear examples of that are um, work that one of our education team members, Esme Baltazar, has done in recent months with bringing, some, bring, bringing together youth and for folks who have gone through the Seeds of Fire program with detention and deportation issues, yeah. so folks who are literally on the front lines experiencing the anxiety and the trauma the attacks from the state and from mm -hmm. this current administration in particular, uh, bringing those young people together on a phone after they're really hungry to be figuring out, you know, like, what's it looking like in your community? What's it looking like in your community? And starting to build out plans and strategies for that. So that came out of our, our ability to really touch those young folks and be in conversation with those young folks uh, came, out of, came out of the platform of that pre-existing understanding that, you know, in each of these young people is someone who is going to be a leader, uh, we just, it's a matter of cultivating their, their analysis from the what is and what they're experiencing to the what ought to be. So those are just two real examples of that. Yeah, that's Ash, great. I don't know if you had any more. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you asked how we define leadership, and I think, like, it's, it's a great question. I, I don't know that we define it. I think the communities that we work with 
in their local conditions. They're finite in what I'm finding, um, both in, in as a, collect, a synthesis of all the work that we've been doing in the South even before we were in this new role, um, is that it's, it's, there's a push in this 21st century social movement building experience. The folks are identifying the, the folks that are on the margins of the margins, right? The folks that are most directly impacted negatively by the systems that oppress them, um, yeah. that, are, that are being centered into movement leadership right now. So, you know, thinking about uh, LGBTQ folks, especially like trans folks of color and queer folks of mm -hmm. color, um, thinking about other oppressed gender folks like women of color, um, thinking about, you know, folks who are, you know, directly impacted by uh, what it means to be in places with the highest concentration of low-wage work in the country, um, thinking about what it means to, in a, move, in a movement moment, where black people and the dismantling of anti-black white supremacy is, is being censored that, you know, the vast majority of black people live in the, the U.S. South where we are, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think when we're thinking about leadership, it's, it's not that um, there are just a handful of charismatic leaders that are out here you know, going to save the day for all the rest of us. It's actually um, the base building work to to identify, to train up, and to support and sustain local grassroots leaders is actually what builds, you know, trans-local strategies and statewide strategies and regional mm -hmm. strategies that then will impact the rest of the United States and thereby save the world, right, in some yeah. ways. Um, and I think that the global piece of that is actually really critical um, in thinking about a lot of us who are, you know, hillbillies or just southerners who um, have had the opportunity now to travel abroad and build with social movements in, uh, in Palestine and Brazil and, um, you know, and, and the, on the continent of Africa and, uh, and what that means to our understanding of how to build social movements and how we're bigger than the sum of our parts together, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many stories that came up um, out of Ferguson after Mike Brown was murdered by the state uh, the state, you know, violent state arm apparatus, the police in Ferguson, um, of, of our, like, comrades of ours being, uh, you know, tear gassed and, and shot with rubber bullets and, and comrades in, the, in Palestine, like, text, like, texting and tweeting them and being like, this is what you need to do. They use that same stuff on us over here and it's made in this place in the U.S., right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we're learning that as we build and develop and sustain and support these local grassroots leaders, whether it's through fellows or through the fire or in relationship to other, um, you know, rapid response and long-term organizing needs of frontline communities, um, that as we build that 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 sort of those as we tie those threads together um, across these geographies, um, and as as we continue to to push for internationalist lens um, mm -hmm. in this work. What we're seeing is that the building of those relationships is what also then helps us sustain and support those grassroots leaders. That's right. So these kind of cross-resistance movements that you're talking about um, with, for example, you mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter and the, the platform they have for Palestinian lives. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really important, <clears throat> excuse me, connection. Um, and so uh, this... Um, whole idea of leadership, you know, when you think about the history of the Highlander Center and, you know, their um, uh, ideology that Project South also shared where, you know, communities come to get help, but they don't solve problems. They help the community, you know, 
find its own leaders and find its own voice, but they don't step in and tell them what to do or problem solve for them because the knowledge is in the community and the leaders are there. Uh, like, you know, summer of 1955, you know, Highlander had that famous uh, United Nations workshop and Esau Jenkins stood up and said, you know, this isn't really doing what we need it to do in Charleston in uh, Johns Island, South Carolina. And so he worked with Septima Clark and, and also Miles to, you know, create mm -hmm. citizenship schools. And the leader they identified, and that started a movement of others in this profession, you know, uh, Bertice Robinson and, you know, the beauticians movement, because, you know, those were centers of power in African-American communities where folks felt comfortable coming and learning how to read so they could figure out how to vote. Uh, so, right. you know, the powerful stuff doesn't happen from, uh, you know, top down. <laughs> it, it happens from mm -hmm. the movement. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're mm -hmm. seeing that with, you know, Black Lives Matter and Palestinian Lives Matter. Uh, even in Decatur, Georgia, there's a, a new group called, it's an interfaith group, it's called Creating Community for Decatur. Uh, and mm -hmm. they're making those same kinds of connections. You know, there's a web of relationships um, with resistance movements. And if we come together, we're more powerful. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the Movement for Black Lives, I think, which is, is Black Lives Matter, the so global network is a member of this broader uh, coalition or united front, mm -hmm. um, putting out the vision for Black Lives, I think, was, was definitely a step towards being able to, to articulate in our own words um, Highlander being a critical part of that process. Um, uh, in our own words, what our demands are. Um, and that very much came from being connected to grassroots local organizing, right? Like the, yeah. if we had just been a handful of charismatic leaders, whether the founders of Black Lives Matter or mm -hmm. um, those of us from Highlander, from Project South, other organizations, um, if we had just been smart people that were articulating our own demands, if that would never land with social movements, yeah. right? Um, not in this political moment, and I would argue never, um, we would have put out some really brilliant demands and not been able to accomplish them. Um, and so the whole process to build up to the vision uh, was definitely um, through supporting uh, the convening of grassroots folks coming together to say what they wanted. Um, that's why we put out a policy platform anyway. Um, you know, if they had said that the priority was to do direct action, and to interrupt business as usual, we would have done that. If they had said that the priority was to organize and base build, we would have done that. If they had said that it was only to focus on policy, we would have we would have considered that. But what they told us was that we needed to do a multi-tactic strategy mm -hmm. that included all of those things, and that's what the Movement for Black Lives is, is doing. I think that, you know, Highlander's uh, sort of understanding of how to, to make social change is not to help. Right? It's not to do charity. Um, it's not to, you know, helicopter into people's homes yeah. and communities and, and, and save them from, you know, some big bad guy. That's not what Highlander does. Right. Um, what Highlander does is support people to, to do the work themselves because they're very much capable of doing that. And, so, and that's a radical pedagogy, right? That's, a, that's like getting to the root um, sort of way of, of, of fixing a problem. Um, because what we, what we believe is that, like, we trust our people. We trust southern people um, to be able to transform their material conditions. We know that they can do that. And that we also know that just becoming smarter people 
um, whatever the, the, the venue for education is, whether it's uh, a front porch or a, a synagogue or a mosque or a church or yeah. um, in a rocking chair um, in a workshop center or, or in a classroom at an institute of higher learning, that just getting smarter, just learning more for the sake of being smarter is not going to change our material condition. Um, that's the beautiful thing about popular education is like we're all teachers, we're all learners. Mm-hmm. But even if it just stopped there and we were just smarter people, that would not be enough to transform society, right? That, that wouldn't yeah. be enough to save the world. Um, so popular education for us is, is creating spaces where people can be teachers and learners together and then take that, that valuable, that priceless knowledge, all of that gold and that wisdom, that vulnerability, that, like, that, that cross-difference. Um, you know, building, and then take it back home and put it into action um, to, to transform society. And that's what Highlander's been doing for 85 years and, and hopes to continue to do um, in, this, in this, this critical time of crisis uh, where people are desperately trying to figure out how to make change, right? Not just, yeah. I, think we, I think a lot of people are, like, very aware that change needs to happen. They know why. They know what change maybe needs to happen, and now are trying to to learn enough to feel comfortable and ready to move the how. And uh, we're excited about being in a position uh, to be able to support the front lines as they articulate these needs. Yeah, yeah, so education for action to transform society um, is, has been what Highlander has and is doing. But how do you sustain the movement, especially uh in light of so many issues, um, you know, you've mentioned immigration detention issues. Uh, we have, you know, a very large detention center in Georgia, of course, at Stewart Detention Center. Um, environmental racism. I know uh, you've, Ashley, have worked on uh, mountaintop removal, uh, water. I mean, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and the nuclear industry, mm-hmm. nuclear industrial complex uh, is right nearby, um, you know, mm-hmm. LGBTQ issues, poverty, labor rights, living wage, health care. Um, I know the Stop the Poison movement has um, gotten mm-hmm. a lot of uh, support from Highlander over the years. So, um, you know, down in Mississippi with the Jesus people and, and here and there. Uh, so, you know, how, how do you sustain or help um, sustain movements over um, the long haul? Yeah, I mean, that's the million-dollar question, yeah. right? It's like, how, how do you say <laughs> movement? Um, you know, I think that uh, what's real is that I think about my dear comrade, A.S. Smith, from uh, up in Kentucky, who at a, at a Southern Movement Assembly said uh, that she recognized she isn't alone in the work and doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that what what I find, and again, in this time of great crisis, is that what sustains us in the work is a deep love of our people, hmm. um, a deep love of the place that we're from, even with all yeah. the contradictions that are held up in that, mm-hmm. um, and a, 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 deep, a deep faith that there's something better than this, and we deserve it. Um, we always have. And I, so I think that... Um, I think that what is sustaining us in movement um, as someone who, like, has had my house shot at because of political mm-hmm. activity or had the state, you know, show up at my house, who, um, you know, who is, is in the movement for black lives and doing all this work and with folks and, like, and comrades like, like Alan, um, 
I think that what is sustaining us is a deep love and appreciation for each other um, and for the world that we know we can build together. Um, I think that that sustains us in the times that are really hard, yeah. and really hard and really scary, um, is that we're not alone um, and we don't have to be and we don't want to be. And I think articulating that out loud, that, that, that ever-present truth that we're stronger together, um, that there are some things that we cannot accomplish alone, that we can only do together, um, I think is, is sustaining when everything seems dire. Um, I also think that what's real is like a historic analysis of what has, what has happened and where we are also yeah. makes it very, very clear that like our people have, have survived and thrived through much harder conditions. And that doesn't mean that these conditions are super easy, right? It's yeah. really hard. Um, we're, you know, it's, it's hard now and it has been hard. Um, but our people are people who, uh, you know, resist despite all that and, and won amazing victories. Um, and now our job is to, to do our part, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Ella Baker said that, you know, strong communities don't need strong leaders because they're strong, they're stronger together, right? And that's I think right. That's exactly uh, what is, is going to sustain us through, uh, you know, these next few years. But I, I think even more than that, um, you know, I think black young people across this country, brown young people across this country um, have really pushed this idea that, like, we believe that we can win, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think that there there's so much. That's a declaration of faith. That's a declaration of hope. That's a declaration of the possibility of something different and our ability to grasp it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the idea that we can do that in our lifetime is sustaining. Yeah. So you're talking about love in the in the time of some intense hate and white nationalist movements rising up again. They've always been there, but you know, they've been given, you know, new new place for that um, with the current administration. Uh, so, yeah, this idea of love is what um, Paula Freire and Miles Horton and others talked about, that you have to have a deep respect, uh, mutual respect and mutual accountability uh, with co- and in communities. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Chagwe Lumumba, uh, before his all too soon death said that if you don't love the people, you'll betray the people. Mm. And I think that that's just fundamentally true. I don't, I don't think it's a new science, right? I think it's yeah. real. Mm. Um, that if you love the people, you will be accountable. You will do the work. And I think that, um, that that's not just something that's external facing. That's also how we treat each other in this work, right? Like that we practice mm-hmm. liberation every second of every day. And it doesn't mean we're going to get it all right or be perfect in that. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that there's always this sort of this sort of level water that you can come back to and start over again, right? Um, right. Not like you didn't know how to do this work before, that you didn't know how to practice liberation and love each other and treat each other equitably and with respect and love, just like you would want to be treated. Um, and, and actually even better than you might even know you deserve, right? Because mm-hmm. systems also then uh, get internalized and we, we sometimes don't love each, ourselves as, as much as we should. Um, and I think that's just a practice that it's a, it's a muscle that um, both a muscle of loving each other and treating each other equitably, but also um, having radical imaginary vision um, is just a muscle that we don't we are not taught to flex very much in these societies, um, except for in our spaces where we're building chosen family and movement family. And, and, and unless you were just, you know, 
severe, like just massively blessed to, to come up in to some privilege or, or, or familiarity where that mm-hmm. is a norm. That's not true for so many marginalized people. And so we're building the road as we're walking it, right? And I think that um, that love is, is actually really central to that. Yeah. Uh, could we talk? Could. Go ahead, Alan. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking that, you know, some that comes out in the in the stated desire and the stated practice, and I think it comes out in, you know, particularly what Highlander is for uh, for people now and what it has been for people for a really long time is a place that is a symbol of victory against yeah. uh, repression. And, 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 and so when I, and I think that it's not just a symbol, it's actually a lived, landed reality. It's a place that's common mm-hmm. for folks who are struggling for uh, a new common reality, a new common vision. Um, and so the, how that works out is like across food, across song, and across like the, the plurality of cultures that are trying to resist uh, attempts to make one total culture, which is what white supremacy yeah. is really striving to do. So I think we have that already. So in terms of resistance, it's it's about what we're already doing and just recognizing each other's capacity to support each other in doing that. This is the end of part one of Nothing Never Happens with the Highlander Research and Education Center. In part two, Alan and Ash Lee will be talking with us about popular education specifics and strategies and how the Highlander Center sustains its movement.